Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders and businesses sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hey, I'm your host, James, and I am thrilled to virtually share the studio today with three amazing women. They are the co-founders of Black Paper Party. Let me introduce you to their CEO, Madia Willis, Chief Merchant, Jasmine Hudson, and Chief Product Officer, Jay Merchant. Through Black Paper Party, these three incredible Black women are on a mission to provide gifting and holiday solutions through culturally relevant products that spread joy and celebrate Black families during the holidays. Madia, Jasmine, Jay, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Glad to have you. Well, let's get started by getting to know you. Without necessarily getting into a Black Paper Party just yet, will each of you sort of share your background and stories? And if you'd like, talk about any other ventures or passions that you have as well. Sure. I don't know, Maddie, if you want to start. <laughs> sure. I'm Maddie Willis. I'm originally from PG County, Maryland, D.C. area. And I spent the majority of my career in design, uh, specifically textile design and fashion design, product development and trend for some of the world's largest retailers like Target, Walmart, and Five Below. I got my undergraduate degree in political science, actually, from Columbia University um, and did my master's studies in textile design at Philadelphia University. So I had a stint in fabric design class at Central St. Martin's in London. So in general, I love designing and making beautiful products uh, that sell. (laughs) So for me, so Jasmine Hudson, my background is largely in retail as well. So everything from uh, merchandise, financial planning to buying. And then also I got my start at Walmart originally in more of a Six Sigma product, uh, well, continuous improvement efficiency type of role. But it was really weird because it was for accounting. I'm just like, I've never done Six Sigma for accounting. So that's why I made the jump over into merchandising. I'm just like, I want to go where it makes sense. <laughs> um, but at any rate, uh, in addition to that, with us being so um, interwoven within the ecosystem that is Bentonville, Jay and I also run an organization called Black Owned NWA. So that's kind of what we do outside of Black Paper Party. And then we also run another blog called Jazzy JNWA, where we share all things food art fun in the in the community. I am Jaren Jay Merchant. I'm chief creative of Black Paper Party, originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands. My background is I'm also a Walmart alum, but my background is more creative. I'm an illustrator an animator by trade. So I've done a lot of children's books. Um, I've worked for visual development for film and TV and animation. So, yeah. 
that I've worked with the likes of Disney, Sesame Street, Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. What a stellar background. We're going to get into some of that during this episode as well. It seems like you are all bringing to the table exactly all the right pieces needed to make your company successful. So it's no surprise then uh, that you're seeing the success from that standpoint. How did the three of you find each other? I mean, what's the story that the backstory that brought this dream team together? Sure. Yeah, totally a dream team, right? So we all met actually at a a fairly large retailer in the Northwest Arkansas area. (laughs) So each of us did work for Walmart. I originally met Madia through the uh, African-American Affinity Group. So at the time it was called the Black and African-American Resource Group. Madia was over programming and I was over events. One of the two. What was it called? Associate engagement. Associate engagement. Yes. So we had a lot of overlap and together we would plan the Black History Month events or the Martin Luther King Day program at Walmart. So when we realized that, hey, we have this kind of same similar interest in just uh, overall Black culture and celebration of Black culture, we decided to try to figure out um, what could we do. And then Jay Right here is my best bud. Um, So she has wonderful talent in illustration and animation. So we just tried to figure out, you know, with our powers combined, kind of what could we do? But that was the original kind of meeting point. It was all about celebrating Black culture within the organization we were were at. And if I could jump in there to James. So I moved to Northwest Arkansas in 2016 to work for Walmart. And the fact that Jasmine and Jay had this amazing blog that talked about all things culture, food, shopping, events and stuff in Northwest Arkansas, they kind of like plugged me into all the fabulous things in Northwest Arkansas right away. So that's how I came to know what an amazing artist Jay was and started truly like admiring her work. And so that's also a pretty neat way about how we met as well. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely seeing some uh, trend lines here that are pointing toward Black Paper Party. So let's get into that. What inspired you to start Black Paper Party? I guess what I'm asking is, you know, start with the problem you found in the marketplace or in society. And then at what point did you decide enough is enough? And what did you do about it? Yeah, well, we had kind of knocked around informally ideas about like, what is a way that we could combine all of our skill sets? But then sort of like, while the country was still sort of reeling from the death of George Floyd, the pandemic was going on, like there was just like real sadness, um, almost as like palpable, palpable sort of, you know, feeling of like fed upness. Mm-hmm. Um in the Black community, I think, in America. And it was a real catalyst for change. And so we thought, you know, this is the perfect time for us to really kind of cement what our idea is. And then we also started doing some additional research about what we saw as a real kind of white space opportunity, which was visual representation um, of Black families during the holidays. So we discovered that African-Americans actually over-index in holiday purchasing, Mm. but it was quite difficult to find, you know, things like Black Santas or Black elves, Black gnomes, everyday themes that you see quite often during the holidays. Um, It was hard to find authentic representation 
of the Black family experience in that area. So that's how we kind of formulated the idea and kind of the catalyst of, you know, let's really do something to spread a little Black joy. That's how we came up with the idea. So we started a small print-on-demand test through Zazzle of just four wrapping paper designs and a few ornaments. And that was in 2019, and it kind of took off. Um, We knew there was a market. And so in 2020, we officially launched that Christmas on blackpaperparty.com. Wow. What an inspiring story. I mean, like really just taking the events of the day and your passions and your backgrounds and doing something with it. Also love that you in 2019 went out and did just a handful of items just to test it out. So Mm -hmm. that's a real MVP, right? That's the right way to do it. Um, You know, you three have that's some pretty good success so far. Uh, you you are you're making nationwide uh, headlines. I jotted myself some notes on some of the organizations and and programs that you know have been uh, featured on so far. So to give our audience an idea, I can only list a few, and not even every one I have <laughs> on my list. So let's go with the uh, the Kelly Clarkson Show, Ebony, Essence, Today, Bloomberg, Black Enterprise, Women's Wear Daily. The list goes on. That's pretty impressive. So you're making waves. You identified a real problem. You did something about it, and you're absolutely crushing it. So what's that journey like been like so far? And and make sure you brag on yourselves. Talk about your successes. So it's it's been a it's been a ride. So it's <laughs> been amazing to see how far we've come because we're only like two and a half years old. So we've really been like very diligent in our progress and where we're going. So mm-hmm. it's been amazing. It's very, very humbling to see how supportive the community has been, both locally and nationally, mm-hmm. as well as even internationally. And it's also been amazing to see the community respond to seeing the products in the store and on .com and just seeing the families and the kids get so much joy from the products. Yeah. I love it. I've I've encountered you all a couple of times in, uh, I believe it was Walmart, but uh, and uh, that just excited me to see them. There and I went. I, I know who that is. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Share with our audience. You have some distribution deals. What retailers are you in, and can you talk about how you got into some of them? And, and if you will, even talk about you know the process of getting your products into Walmart. What's that like? Well, that's also kind of been a bit of a journey. So, our first year was we were just ecom based. And then soon after that, our first holiday season, a couple retailers reached out. And so that included, you know, Marmax Group and um, Target. And we, you know, reached out to a couple ourselves as well. So that's how we um, kind of secured a partnership with Family Dollar as well. And so the following year, we had and they're not deals so we also we're we literally are you know we're pitching we're pivoting we're presenting every season to kind of fight for that space as well yeah. so it's you know a constant sort of you know you know kind of a constant sort of selling and trying to stay relevant and then we were lucky to get into the Macy's workshop which is one of the oldest retail development programs in the country and through Macy's, we were able to then get our products on Macy's.com as well as in market market by Macy's and are working to now get our products in store as well. We also secured um, licensing 
agency. So we knew that we wanted to expand the brand depth and really become a lifestyle brand as well. And so it was kind of right after that happened that um, Walmart reached out to Black Paper Party. They had seen kind of some of the uh, momentum we were building and, you know, asked us if we would be interested in putting together an entire program that was kind of decor, paper and home. So everything trim a package and trim a tree. So it really was kind of like everything that we kind of envisioned Black Paper Party would be eventually that we had this opportunity to sort of come make come together at Walmart for last Christmas. So last Christmas was 2022 of Christmas was um, the first time we launched that eight foot section in Walmart. So it was literally um, unexpected and amazing and just really helped us to solidify and see like the potential of Black Paper Party. Well, you know, the unexpected came from the hard work that y'all have uh, done, right? So <laughs> that's this is an, an incredible story. Uh, you know, most folks I talk to who are doing retail don't have a path that goes this fast. They're not able to accelerate themselves uh, this quickly into it. That's amazing. Uh, it's been you know, amazing. Every, I think our background yeah. has definitely helped to fuel that. Um, <laughs> so um, that's <laughs> it's been such a blessing. No doubt. Well, you know, with every bit of success, uh, my my finding has been every bit of success comes with uh, some challenges. What has been the most difficult part about building Black Paper Party? Ooh. I would say <laughs> it's very easy to be underestimated as Black women entrepreneurs in this industry. And the, of course, we're leading with uh, Black focused characters. So everyone's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? And we're just like, we're, it's convincing people that there's a need for it. People do want to see it and it is truly accepted. But now that we've gained the momentum that we are, people are seeing the importance and the need for it and they're actually wanting more. Awesome. I imagine there's some uh, serious persistence from you three <laughs> with with folks. I mean, what yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have to other folks facing this the same challenge to uh, other black people and and, and women? you know, facing the challenge of being underestimated. I can, I can, uh, I can see how that could be uh, a real challenge. Don't get, get into analysis paralysis. Do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. J- jump. I, it sounds crazy, but jump off the cliff, build the plane on the way down. You can do it. <laughs> It'll motivate you to do it even faster. And I would also say to kind of get partners along the way. So one of the things that's been really helpful for us are just kind of like our mentors and our network Of course, we're in like the backyard, again, of huge retail professionals and just making sure that you have those partners that can kind of help you along the way as you cultivate your story, the narrative of your company, and then carving out your space, just showing that there really truly is a market need has been invaluable. And I also in there, I think the biggest thing that has helped us has been really sort of like a mindset shift of expecting challenges every single day, as opposed to being disappointed or, you know, surprised or, you know, uh, defeated when they happen. So it's more like we wake up every day and it's like, what problem are we going to solve today? And I think it helps us be creative with everything from funding to how best to represent the brand to how best to, you know, 
solve this supply chain issue. Like we just now like anticipate the the challenges. And I think that's sort of like what entrepreneurship is all about. Mm. Right. Yeah. So we've convinced ourselves that we're going to end up writing a book one day. So we always <laughs> say, what is this chapter called? We yeah. always say, like, what is this chapter called? This is crazy. What's this chapter called? Because <laughs> someone's going to love this part. This is going to be a page turner for sure. <laughs> I love that. I hope you're documenting, yeah. documenting every bit of that. And I, and I love that mindset because doesn't it make it so much more exciting when you encounter the problem? You're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. We have a problem. Let's go solve it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's going to make the best chapter bar none. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, anybody can be affected by a problem. Uh, anybody can be passionate about a possible solution. But uh, as you know, it is super difficult to build a business. And, and we've mentioned this a couple of times that, you know, it, especially with the skill, without the skills and competencies and knowledge of the industry. But you all have brought everything, it seems like, to the table. I jotted down a few of the areas uh, in your backgrounds that can provide the significant experience to go after this. But I mean, there's product development, textile and graphic design, digital media marketing, supply chain management, financial management, and there's more. And it it seems like you really do have all the pieces uh, of the puzzle. Will you talk more about how important it has been to you that you have this kind of deep knowledge and experience and how that has helped you accelerate Black Paper Party in, in a way that perhaps nobody else could? Absolutely. So again, we scaled really quickly in a very short amount of time, and that is 100% attributed to our background. So having the powerhouse that is Madia, who can source with the best of them, she's talking tariffs, she's talking mats and boats. She's, uh, we're signed up as a DI supplier for one of the largest retailers, Family Dollar. We're just like, how the heck did we end up doing that? And it's three of us. Uh, So we're trying to figure out how to get our goods over here. And then like with me, we're able to talk, you know, everything retail math (laughs) very quickly. So I can, you know, build a line review, project out our units for store per week, figure out what we're going to buy and all of that. So there's our, um, our learning curve is very, very short. And then you have Jay who she, you don't have to teach, you know what I mean? You can't teach the way she draws, right? So she's a genius in herself and the way she sees the characters and the nuance that she puts on them when it, in regards to African-American, right? So we're not taking, (laughs) we're not taking just your everyday character and coloring them in, you know, black and brown. They are, they have the facial expressions of our little cousins, our nieces and our nephews. So with all of that, our starting point just by sheer nature of our backgrounds just was a lot further than a lot of our competition. So they're still in accelerator programs, still learning certain things about retail math, still learning how to source product. What is specs? What are specs rather? Um, how do you build your, your, your brand profile and all of that? So um, it's been great. And then also what's pushing us even further, again, our, our networks and our mentors that have been also fantastic. And we're really only hitting the tip of the iceberg, really. So we've gone as far as we can go with the three of us. Now it's about bringing on additional experts and kind of expanding because we can grow even faster. We honestly, I can tell you right now, could have five additional accounts, but it is three of us. (laughs) (laughs) So we are on that path, though, to, to grow exponentially over the next few years. That is fantastic. It's amazing to hear that it's 
still just you three. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's always interesting when we get on calls. They're just like, okay, so where's the rest of the team? We're just like, you're looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Um, hey, let's talk about some of the challenges uh, that Black entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs face. You mentioned earlier being underestimated. Are there any other ex- unique challenges that you would like to talk about that y'all have faced and have you overcome the obstacles? I think access to capital has just, you know, has been a recurring theme, um, especially given how fast we're growing and want to grow. So I think, you know, we've had to get creative in terms of how we funded the business. We've personally leveraged all of our resources. You know, we're bootstrapped. You know, we're we there was a point where we were constantly applying to pitch competitions and for grants. We certainly leveraged our friends and family network with, you know, kind of very short, high interest loans, you know, Mm -hmm. that we paid back after the Christmas season. And, you know, it's just been a constant, you know, review. How much money do we have to do this? Okay, let's do it. How, you know, what can we do? And then luckily we've also been able to buttress ourselves by working with the commercial factor, which has allowed us to fund a lot of our retail POs, which has been awesome. So yeah, we're constantly, you know, trying to get creative. We were able to close a round of funding um, that was through a non-traditional, you know, sort of lending institution that was awesome. Um, So we're just kind of, you know, stacking, 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 you know, trying to overcome, you know, this kind of barrier to to access to capital um, as we scale. So that's been one of the major challenges, I think. Yeah. And I would say from like a possibly like a a product creative standpoint, just kind of observing Jay and Maria and their their meetings. Another bit is like making sure we get the hair texture right. You know what I mean? When it comes to our products, whenever they send over the illustrations and the print and pattern for like instance, our licensing agreements and we get back kind of like a proof of what the product could look like. And then like the skin tone changed or the lip color changed. And you're just like, what on earth is going on here? So it's just kind of pushing and standing on the integrity of why we were founded and what we're here to do. So making sure that we're still putting that most authentic foot forward um, when it comes to our brand is something that specifically Maddie and Jay have been awesome at doing and the customer is really resonating with it. Yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine. I mean, my, my biggest yeah. complaint is when I send something to the print shop and it comes back a shade different. I can't imagine <laughs> getting into textures and things that sort of, they reflect you, right? And so that must right. be even more uh, frustrating. And it's not something, of course, that I've experienced, but I, I can I, I can sure believe that must be uh, super frustrating. You mentioned funding. Let's talk about funding. I mean, we've all heard the, the stats. Uh, simple fact of the matter is that Black entrepreneurs simply do not have the same access to funding, or at least they're not getting the same access to funding. In particular, if you talk about venture capital funding, for example, Black entrepreneurs are historically uh, facing disparities there. They receive, as you know, less than 2% of all venture capital dollars, which is just mind-blowing that that's an issue in this day and age. And, and you three are sort of hitting the double whammy because the numbers are just as dire for women. In fact, in if off the top of my head, let me see if I can get my stats right here. 
2021 was was a banner year for women in venture capital funding. Women hit 2%, and now they dropped back in 2022 to 1%. It just just doesn't seem like this is a good direction we're going. Why is this happening? So one of the things that we were thinking about in regard to this, because we ask ourselves this all the time, it's almost mm-hmm. like when you find out, let us know, right? <laughs> um, it's because the the when we kind of look at some of the businesses that get that VC funding, a lot of it is conceptual. It's theoretical. You know what I mean? We are proven. You know, we have the family dollars. We have the POs from Walmart. We're in several other retailers, Marmax Group. So really, we're we're chalking it up to I don't no better way to say it, but the system. <laughs> there is a system that's there, and there's just a, an awareness that is not widely spread. There is an access that's not widely spread, and I'm not sure if we're kind of in the. We would have to ask the actual VC firms <laughs> mm-hmm. like what's going on there. Um, for us, especially with the track record that we've had in a very short amount of time, like why or what would it take to get that get that VC funding? Yeah, I think we've you know we've also educated ourselves, or you know we've spent a lot of time in accelerators and mentoring programs in which we learn about developing a fundraising plan and. You know, we're not VC funded and that's not something that we're currently pursuing at Mm -hmm. this time because we believe we prefer to actually do it through debt funding at this moment. And so it's just I think the education right to even know what PE versus VC versus debt funding like even is and, you know, what is a safe and you know, how do you structure the deal and all of that stuff? Like, is not information also that's readily available? So, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of factors contributing to that, but we're not necessarily the experts because we're not pursuing VC funding at the moment. Yeah, you (laughs) betcha. And and, you know, really for any kind of funding, uh, you mentioned non-traditional funding, which uh, organization did y'all get that through? We actually just um, received some funding through Lendistry. Oh, great. So yeah, we, um, through some of our networks here also in Northwest Arkansas or there in Northwest Arkansas, since I'm not there anymore, though we, you know, have had a list that we were kind of um, pursuing for options and, you know, look really vetting and kind of you're putting a strategy together, right? Like what is our like institutional funding fundraising strategy? But there was an interesting program that Lendistry had. Um, and the girls can tell you, like, we literally were in the process for eight months, maybe. Um, so (laughs) we literally, you know, just closed. (laughs) Um, so it's, um, that's also an example, right. Of like even structural barriers within, you know, certain funders too, and all the hoops you have to go through and the paperwork you have to produce. And during that time, your business is still growing and changing. So Mm -hmm. how many rounds you have to update that and resubmit. And, you know, um, retail is also, it's a fickle business, you know, it's not like tech or, you know, healthcare or, you know, whatever it is, where I think that also makes some in lending institutions shy away as well from CPG. Yeah. So you- and um, also shout out to Startup Junkie and the, the yeah. Kiva 
<laughs> fund. That's where we kind of started out um, with our initial funding uh, help. So that was that was awesome. So shout out to that team. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they are so wonderful over there. Whether it's Martha Londigan or anybody else on that team, they are absolutely amazing when it comes. Martha was literally sitting like right here. She came over to the house, sat here and walked us through the whole thing. So again, just that community support is uh, absolutely amazing. Isn't that a great resource to have, to have folks in the community like her and the rest of the Startup Junkie team and others who provide that resource at no cost? And, and you know, sure. Definitely. Yeah. In a lot of places, that no cost support I found is worth exactly what you pay for it. And here I'm finding <laughs> <laughs> there's one person in one organization after another where it is worth way more than you pay for it. How can Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas be part of this solution for funding for Black entrepreneurs and for women entrepreneurs? In fact, how can Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas lead in that area? That's the sort of thing we tend to try to do. So how can we lead there? Sure. I think first what you would, um, what Benville would need to do is just kind of listen to some of the entrepreneurs, uh, either locally in the area, or maybe some of those that even fly in to meet with the likes of like a Walmart, Mm -hmm. because the, the overall piece is just kind of education and understanding what are the key struggles. So first, it's just kind of getting the lay of the land and assessing uh, kind of what's happening and what are the, the struggle points. But I also think um, it's just really searching internally for any kind of bias or preference that's happening. And then also reviewing the people themselves that are um, sitting in the room, right? Mm. So making sure that your staff is representative of the people that you would actually like to fund. Um, because with that, I think you'll be able to see more of a, a inclusive shift in that regard. So when we're thinking of certain things like... Um, like Heartland Forward, or even with uh, uh, Black-owned NWA, getting involved with those organizations, E for All, you know what I mean? The different organizations here that are all about uh, inclusivity and driving that uh, for the region, just kind of picking our brains, figuring out what's going on, looking internally at your staff, looking internally at your systems and policies, and then kind of making the steps from there would be good. And then as always, because we're, we're numbers people, like how do you benchmark it? (laughs) You know what I mean? How do you put in true milestones? Because so far, kind of what I've been seeing is that a lot of DEI initiatives, you get a participation trophy, Mm -hmm. not a uh, actual KPI that you're held to with regards to numbers. So I think it's that last piece that makes the metrics very crunchy that we'll be able to kind of hold everyone accountable to. Could not have said anything better there. Great answer. I also think like there is a lot of talent, professional talent. There is also a lot of technical expertise and there's a lot of just money in Northwest Arkansas. And so I feel like, you know, there are actual things that like small businesses, you know, actually need, you know, like you know, office space or, you know, legal advice or, you know, bookkeeping services or, you know what I mean? Like if you're not 
investing, you know, but you are an investor, right? Like actual tangible technical skills that can help build capacity are almost just as they're just as good as capital. Yeah. And so I think that is something that Northwest Arkansas in particular is rich in so many resources. And so I think that means just, you know, kind of to Jasmine's points, like actually getting in there and being like talking to some of these businesses as opposed to sort of like joining a very, you know, sort of like abstract course, you know, about like running your business. Right. A lot of these businesses, we're running our business mm-hmm. like and don't have time to take a course, you know, or join this mentorship program. Like we actually need things to help us continue to execute. Um, and so those are some um, you know, tangible sort of like exchanges of skills um, that could be really helpful too. That's really good. I'm writing myself a note about something. I would love to have like sort of call it a pledge and do program, right? I pledge X percentage or X amount of my time. I am going to do this and then jump right in and help people. And yeah, that would be imagine. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you saw a lot of that, like James, um, like right when George Floyd um, was murdered, you did see some of those lists going around, right, where people were like, I want to mm-hmm. do something to help end, you know, systematic racism. But then it kind of like fizzled out, you know. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, we <laughs> like it's not trendy anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw it in Capital, right? Um, and and yeah. I know you aren't venture funded or intend to be, but, you know, that that was another area where the data stands out and, and demonstrates how we sort of forget we forget the pledges we make or don't stick to them. You know, last year was not a good year. If you were seeking venture capital, there was like a 36 percent mm-hmm. pullback. But check mm-hmm. out this stat. For the year before, black entrepreneurs actually set a year over year record. In venture capital. I remember. And last year, when the rest of the market gave back 36%, Black entrepreneurs gave back 45%, demonstrating that we've forgotten the promise that was made. Wow. And so, yeah, there needs to be some way to, for, for us to figure out how to, and, and KPIs, you know, if you do pledge and do, for example, you can definitely measure that. We've got to figure out how to uh, commit to something and then keep doing it. And I don't know what the answer is, but uh, we got to figure it out. So let's pivot and talk about Bentonville. How do you feel, you know, in your time that you've experienced here, how do you feel that Bentonville's culture, even its overall culture, has evolved? And then where do you see it going? It's growing for sure. The culture is growing is with more and more people that are coming to the area It's becoming more and more diverse. We're seeing a huge expansion in businesses that we didn't see before. I remember when I first moved here, I moved here New Year's Day 2013. I didn't know where to go to get my hair done. I didn't know where to go to just like meet other uh, young people that were in my profession. And to now have like all these different places where you can go. You can go to the momentary. You can go to Crystal Bridges. You can go grab coffee on the square. Just to see all of those different things kind of like evolve is really, really Yeah. And I think um, the only other bit is I was just reading the recent publication from the NWA Council mm-hmm. in regards to growth. So I believe what in the next, what, five or 10 five years, years, it'll be about a million people in mm-hmm. Bentonville. 
I don't remember what timing it was. However, the interesting bit is the growth of the African-American slash Black community in that. So right now we're about 2.5% of the population. At that time, once we hit a million, it's projected that we're going to be 2.8% of the population. That is not a big, you know, growth in terms Mm -hmm. of just like penetration on a base of a million. So by sheer numbers, of course, since it's on a base of a million versus wherever we are now, yes, there will be more people. But in terms of just actual penetration into the overall population, that's not an impressive stat. Um, so in terms of where we are from where we've been, yes, there's growth. Um, however, I think there is an opportunity to accelerate um, the overall just percentage of diversity that is in the area. Love that observation. And it's something we need to say, right? Something we need to say and to yeah. do. You know, if you talk about overall diversity, it's grown pretty significantly um, from a yeah. single digit percentage 15 years ago to something like 36%. But you're absolutely right. Uh, the number of uh, um, the, the black percentage has not grown much at all. And so uh, there's a lot more work that we can do there and be very purposeful uh, about. Yeah. love that you also mentioned uh, diverse like uh, businesses, right? I had not even thought about that so much, but we continue to see this amazing growth and, diver- growth and diversity of, of types of businesses and then sort of the stratification of like all the different types of businesses within those. So that's uh, pretty exciting. I, I hear tell that uh, on the Bentonville Square, there used to be one restaurant, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and now we're just, you might as well call us Food City USA. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give, or let me ask this first, how has Bentonville supported each of you in your personal and professional growth? And then what advice would you give to others and uh, other businesses about coming here? Sure. I would say like for me, for instance, Bentonville was where I got my start in just retail in general. So I owe all of my my background to, you know what I mean? Just the, the retailer Walmart and uh, the overall community here. Um, so huge support from that perspective. And then in terms of the support, given to our other organization, Black-Owned NWA, most recently, what was it? It was literally this time last year, I believe we were awarded, I don't know, Organization of the Year from the Bentonville Chamber of Commerce. So again, really uh, appreciative of that recognition of a lot of the work that we do in the community. So it's it's been fantastic and we're really appreciative of the things that Bentonville has done. And then I guess in terms of for people that uh, are looking to possibly move here, while cycling is wonderful, you don't have to be on a bike to live in Bentonville. It's okay. Right. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yes, we have trails from here to the moon and back, but there's plenty more to do. We have James Beard Award winning chefs. Again, Food City USA. It's great. The we're art here. Art. Yeah. Just, it's, it's a crazy the amount of art and culture you've taken into this like this little place. I, I try to ex- explain to people Bentonville. I'm like, it almost feels like it's not real. Some of yeah. the things that you do, <laughs> some of the people that you meet. And it's just, it's a very, it's actually a very, very welcoming community. So, yeah. So, and also if you're interested in getting into retail, I mean, if you want to just set up shop down here, it won't hurt you. I know that much. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we shift directions and start wrapping up, Will y'all tell me a story? You can each tell me a story or tell me one story or whatever you want. But 
I would love to hear what I call a hashtag because Bensonville story. This would be a story that could only happen here or a story of Monmouth that could only happen here or that describes the essence of Bentonville. Which, oh, the squirrel? Okay, so. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Picture, <laughs> no, picture, Bentonville. We were just riding around looking for something to do. We ended up coming across this squirrel fest that we stopped at and we were just like, well, we really, the goal that day was to get a funnel cake. Yeah. Funnel cake and a corn dog. That was the mission. Anything else, fair game. But by the end of the day, we wanted a funnel cake and a corn dog. So we found out about the Squirrel Fest and we showed up and it was literally like a scene out of a movie because, of course, we are the only black woman in the entire (laughs) (laughs) venue. So we get out of the car and we walk in and literally you could hear like, it's like a record scratch in the movie. You know, they're like, hi, my name is Jay. You're probably wondering how I ended up here. And it was literally because of the corn dog and funnel cake. But they were actually like so welcoming. They brought us in. They showed us where to get the funnel cakes and the corn dogs. They tried to get us to get some squirrel. We were just like, that looks delicious, but we're going to pass. We did some fun dance and took some pictures. We met some really, really cool people. And I didn't know that there were so many ways to cook a squirrel. (laughs) Had actually like the best day ever. Uh And because Bentonville, that that would only happen here. (laughs) (laughs) I have heard that the world championship squirrel cooking contest or something happens here. I have not um, yeah. found it yet myself. I would like to, as a certified There's barbecue. All um, over the country to cook squirrel. That's amazing. Well, as a certified barbecue judge, I feel like I should be a certified squirrel judge too. <laughs> that is, is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> um, I would say for me, it's just the amount of, I would say, honestly, celebrities really that come to the area because of course i mean you have the combination of the people that crystal bridges brings in because it's always a world-renowned something or other like they (laughs) um we've we've been able to meet so many wonderful artists and musicians even honestly if you just get a drink and hang around 21c you're gonna run into somebody. I so Ursula Burns is kind of like my girl crush. She was the previous CEO of Xerox, and I was just sitting there, and she walked past me, and I literally burst into tears. It was very embarrassing, but I had to meet her, and she was just like, "I need you to calm down." I'm like, "I can't, I can't, I can't believe you're here." But uh, again, like because Bentonville, because of you know 21C, I actually don't even know why she was here, but I'm sure it has something to do with one of the great organizations that are in the area. But I honestly, I don't know if I would have met her any other time. So the things like turn. that. All right, one more, one more, one more. I have to tell the story. So we did a, it was like an influencing event. What was it called? The Soapbox? Oh, Soapbox Influence. The Soapbox Influence event, right? Yeah. So they have all these activations. They have, what is it? They had Nickelodeon there. They had Johnson & Johnson. They had this this huge diaper throne thingy. And we were basically telling them, oh, this is so cool. We were telling them that we um, volunteer at an organization called Havenwood. Right off the square. Right off the Bimbo Square. Do you want to give us a little about Havenwood? Uh So Havenwood is an organization that brings women from what we call crisis to self-sufficiency. So it's a two-year program that equips them with skills as in like paying rent, financial literacy, parenting classes, um, even knowing how to fix your car, like on a surface level, things like that. Um, So every Tuesday at the time, we would watch the kids. Mm So So we were telling them like, after this, we're going to go hang out with the babies and take them outside, play with bubbles ride bikes and stuff and they had um a ninja turtle activation 
And he was just like, well, if you guys want, um, we'll sponsor a pizza party. So they gave us everything we needed. They gave us the balloons, decorations, paper plates. And then there was a representative from um, Johnson & Johnson. She was like, well, I have all these diapers. And technically, we can't resell these. So if you guys want these, we'll give you, we'll literally give you all of these diapers and all these wipes. <laughs> so we're literally calling friends with trucks like, can you bring your truck to pick up some diapers? And we pulled up to Havenwood, had the best pizza party with the kids. The kids had a blast. Yeah. And all the moms were so excited because they basically had like a lifetime supply of diapers and wipes. <laughs> so <laughs> because amazing. Bentonville. <laughs> that is because Bentonville. That is amazing. <laughs> Well, um, I'm going to tell my story. (laughs) (laughs) um, The only one of us who no longer lives there. So I'll tell you the three things that I miss most. And the first thing is tubing on Beaver Lake in the summertime. Mm. So like being from the East Coast, like that's just not something really that we did that was like so accessible, you know. Secondly, I miss the sunsets um, in Northwest Arkansas. I just think are some of the most beautiful that I've seen anywhere. And then thirdly, I think that, I mean, having the number one retailer in the world um, in the back, you know, in Northwest Arkansas, I just have never been so challenged or you know, intellectually stimulated, um, I think, as and learned as much as I did, as I did as I was in Northwest Arkansas and just being in that very unique, uh, <laughs> you know, Walmart culture um, was is definitely something that you can't get anywhere else. Um, so those are the things that I, I miss. Wonderful. As an East Coast girl. I love it. <laughs> okay, last three questions. This first one, I'm going to throw something kind of off the wall at you. For each of you, what is an unusual talent or skill that you have that others might be surprised to find out about? I'm a percussionist. Um, I've lost my thoughts, but I'm a percussionist. I I played drums in high school. I was like first snare. You know, yeah, I got rhythm. So, yeah. Solid. (laughs) I absolutely love band, so it was great. I was a band geek too. Yeah, what did you play? I played trombone. I was not go. first chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Any others? Well, people in Northwest Arkansas do know this about me, but I am a volleyball player or was a volleyball player. And so I played all through high school, played in college, played on up until my last day in Northwest Arkansas when I sprained my ACL. Oh. But <laughs> um, that's a unique talent. My uh, nickname is Mod Squad because um, I'm known <laughs> for, the, for my my kills. But um, that's something not everybody might know about me. Awesome. I am a retired Army brat. So <laughs> I'm kind of a weapons specialist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that I, I keep that close to the chest. Yeah, solid talent <laughs> to have, one you don't necessarily need around here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going hunting, I guess. <laughs> right. Hey. Right. Which is yeah. Who's quite possible? common. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, if somebody wants to uh, reach any of you or learn more about uh, Black Paper Party, how do they do that? Sure. They can go on just www.blackpaperparty.com. 
Our contact information is on there. So that's kind of the best way to reach out. You can also follow us. It's literally Black Paper Party on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. (laughs) So be sure to connect with us. Solid. Last question. What's, uh, What's something that I should have asked you but did not ask? Hmm. You were very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> it was an awesome conversation. Uh, oh, in terms of uh, what's next, I think that's yeah. one thing for sure. Yes, for what's us. next? That's so what I was gonna we, say. Um, we we did the the Christmas holiday. Right now, we're in Valentine's Day at Walmart. We're about to launch Easter. Um, so, what's next for us is just spreading um, and expanding into additional occasions. So, um, we have some beautiful birthday assets and product um, that we're, we're working to land uh, currently. So that's kind of what's on the horizon, just making sure that we turn into a household name for all things Black joy and celebrations. I love it. In other words, world domination. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> and one holiday at a time. And last, because Bentonville, just real quick, one of the ironies too is that we're in the house that was on HGTV's Fix It or Fabulous with Dave and Jenny Mars. Oh, yeah. So again, only here would we end up on, you know what I mean, uh, the syndicated television show <laughs> like that um, and still have like this crazy like ecosystem that is that is Bentonville. So that experience was really cool. And I honestly think it's only because we lived here that that would even happen. That is so cool. Well, hey, yeah. uh, Jasmine, Maria, Jay, thank you all so much for taking your time and spending your time with our uh, Bentonville Beacon audience and me. I I love hearing your story and getting to know you better. And I really am uh, very proud of what you all have uh, accomplished to date and are going to accomplish. And I'm thrilled that you are a Bentonville-based company and and the two of you are here and Maria, one day you'll come back. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm back all the time. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and uh Jay thank also you, James. Yeah, you betcha. Well, Jay, I also want to say uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the chamber. Thank you so much for serving on the board of directors for the Greater Bentonville Area Chamber of Commerce on behalf of the thank staff. You for we, having we, me. we appreciate that. Hey, uh thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. You know, without you, this show wouldn't be possible. There would be no purpose for it. So We welcome you to uh, keep coming back. Of course, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and visit BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com to see all of our episodes. And, uh, you know, keep coming back to learn more about Bentonville and its leaders, this place where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week. 